Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. To me, one of the great gifts of the pandemic has been that I can watch uh, movies that I would normally have to go to the theater to see at home uh, on the first run. And so tonight at the Sanders house, we will be watching Space Jam 2. We watched the preview for it on uh, Friday evening and... Uh, First off, Scarlett has no clue about Space Jam 1. She thinks that LeBron James is the best star of Space Jam, not knowing that Michael Jordan was in the first one. But she also told me that she thought that my sermons would be more interesting if I showed Looney Tunes clips in them. (laughs) People will pay attention, boo. She doesn't think I can pull it off this week. I can't. But she's confident that by next Sunday, I'll figure out a way to do it. So, y'all, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, Bugs is not showing up next Sunday. But I am. So, pray for me that I can figure out how to be Bugs. So, Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks today for your word, for your grace. And Lord, we pray that today we would just hear from you. And that undergirded by your grace, we would be moved to where you would have us to be. Father, bless me with the words that are needed for those who have gathered to hear today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. By now, you should have received the Constitution Committee's proposed Constitution. If you haven't received one and would like one, there will be some available in the vestibule this morning at the conclusion of worship. If you have already received a copy and have had opportunity to read it, you may have noticed that the committee has proposed a more compact statement of faith and covenant. And you may be wondering what was the rationale behind their decision to make such a proposal. There are a couple of reasons. First, our present statement of faith is long and contains a great deal of language 
that is difficult to understand in our ever-increasing biblically and theologically illiterate and unlearned society. Quite honestly, beloved, people today do not understand theological terms. And it is an impediment to their growth and to their acceptance of the faith. One of Christianity's oldest statements of faith, the Apostles' Creed, is approximately 70 words and provides the basic foundations of our beliefs. It doesn't contain a lot of theological language. It just states the facts. And while we do not believe that our proposed statement is in any way superior to the Apostles' Creed or any other of our faith's historic statements, we do hope that its succinctness will make it easy to explain the basics of what we believe to others, particularly those that we are trying to reach with the life-altering gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, our church covenant is a representation of who we strive to be as a congregation. Accordingly, our proposed covenant is formulated to enable us when we are sharing about Grove Park with our families, our friends, and our neighbors to be able to describe our fellowship in eight words. Eight words. Grove Park is grace-centered, disciple-making, kingdom-driven community champions. That's who we are. That's who we strive to be. To help us understand the depth and power of these eight words, we will be examining them over our next four Sundays. We begin today by exploring what it means to be a people who are grace-centered. Hebrews 12, 15 admonishes us to see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So it's important to ask ourselves this morning, right off the bat, have you obtained the grace of God? You see, beloved, the walk of faith does not begin when you walk into a church. It doesn't begin when you uh, pick up a Bible. It doesn't begin when you are born into a family that is, uh, has generations upon generations upon generations of believers. The walk of faith begins when you understand your need for God's grace. When you understand quite simply that you can do nothing to get into heaven. That you in your state are completely and utterly sinful. And you may say, well, I, I do all the right things. I, I, I come to church, I study my Bible, I even tithe. But understand, beloved, you can do all of those things. And if you have never tasted the grace of God, God's unmerited favor, you're lost. It's plain and simple. Too often we have narrowed it down into checklist of check this box or check that box and, and think that somehow or another if we check all the right boxes that we 
are going to make it into heaven when, beloved, the only way we can make it into heaven is through faith and grace. Grace that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And so today, I, I want us to make sure, as Second as Peter tells us in the first chapter, that we understand in the depths of who we are that yes, we know that we ourselves have not failed to obtain the grace of God, but that we ourselves know what it is like to be blind but now see, to be lost but now found, to be hopeless and now filled with abundant and abiding living hope in Jesus Christ. Beloved, have you tasted grace today? If you haven't tasted grace, there's no way you can share grace. If you haven't tasted grace, there's no way you can see God. Have you yourself found grace today? Secondly, we should understand that when the writer of Hebrews tells us to see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that the phrase used for fails to obtain means to enjoy the full benefits of grace. You know, most of us have one of these, right? It's, it's called a smartphone, smartphone for dumb people, right? And why do I say smartphone for dumb people? Because most of us don't know all the stuff this thing can do. We, we pay a lot of money for it, but we have zero clue about what its full benefits are. We just use it for what we need to get by on, and we ignore it for everything else. Beloved... Have you enjoyed the full benefits of grace today? For I feel confident that many of us, if not most of us, have tasted of the sweet nectar of God's grace, but we've never enjoyed its fullest benefits. Yes, we will sing about grace, but it's not quite as amazing as it seems to be in other people's lives. It's, it's not quite as marvelous and matchless and infinite as it seems to be in other people's lives. Because we have these things that we just can't quite get past. You see, we may have had something in our past that though God has forgiven us, we have never allowed His grace to enter into our hearts to allow us to forgive ourselves for it. And so we struggle under the weight of sin that God has forgotten. Or maybe what it is is that we have this particular sin that we continue to struggle with and we think that on our own power, we ourselves are going to be able to get rid of it when what we will actually need, beloved, is grace. And so because we have not allowed the full effect of grace in our life, we don't feel that grace is nearly as amazing as it should be. 
we have not obtained the full benefit of grace. We live not as powerful, bold Christians, but we live as cowering Christians who sit around and wait for God to zap us into the middle of next week because of something that we have done. When what God wants us to hear is what Paul said to the church at Rome. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Now, beloved, I'm not telling you today to go out and see how grace can abound in your life by committing every sin you can think of. This is, this is, this is not your go sin freely card today. It is my encouragement to you, though, to say that whatever you are dealing with, whatever you are facing in your life, and you think that you, you are, are swimming in sin that is about to overtake you, that God's grace abounds more than that and will lift you up into places of faith that you have never experienced before. That grace truly abounds. One of our folks here at Grove Park was telling me the other, the other Sunday that uh, they had watched my noon devotion. And at the end, they had gone to click off. And as they had gone to click off, you know how every noon devotion ends if I give it, right? Grace abounds. Well, they went to click off and something happened in the algorithm on Facebook. And so this is what they kept hearing. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. It kept going such that they called their spouse on another line to let them hear about how. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Grace abounds. Beloved, here's the thing I want you to hear. I want it to wake you up in the middle of the night. I want it to go, I want it to be the soundtrack of your life. Grace abounds. And I don't want you to have to hear it in my voice. You can hear it in whoever's voice you want to. It's sort of like on, on, on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. If you win, they'll, they'll put your voicemail on whoever's voice you want it to be in. You can have Conway Twitty singing in your head, Grace Abounds. But the only way we will be bold enough as Christians to go and win a lost world for Christ is if we hear that in us continuously. And we hear that we are not disqualified, but that we are saved by faith and that God intends for us to go out and show it to others. It is for us to hear in the moments when we are carrying things under our own power that grace abounds. And as Paul would say to the church in Corinth, through the voice of God, grace is sufficient for all of our weaknesses to strengthen us through all things. That every time we think that we've got to work harder to get God's love, that we can hear that grace abounds and that it is by grace you have been saved, not of works. 
Grace abounds. Beloved, this morning, have you even checked out half of the full benefits of grace? Yes, you have got saving grace, but there's grace beyond that, beloved. There's sanctifying grace. There's strengthening grace. There's powering grace. Does grace abound for you today? So first, have you obtained grace? Second, have you yourself even come close to exhausting the full benefits of grace? But next, are you throwing up roadblocks to keep others from obtaining grace today? You see, if we were to go back to our text this morning, it tells us to see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. A better translation would be like this. Be diligent that no one fails to obtain the full benefit of God's grace. Be diligent. How diligent are you this morning in sharing God's grace. Are you actively telling people about what God's grace has done in your life? How transforming God's grace has been in your life? How you have, you don't know how you could survive without the grace of God this morning? Are you ensuring that everyone you know Everyone in your circle of influence, every family member, every neighbor, every friend, whether that friend is two blocks down the road or that friend is all the way in Timbuktu, knows what grace has done for you. And you have said to them, they need it. Maybe this morning, beloved, the thing that you need to be doing most in your life, the thing that you need to be most diligent in is ensuring that everyone has been introduced to grace. Maybe it is that you have to reintroduce grace to someone because here's, here's, the, here's the, the thing, beloved. There's a lot of people this morning in this nation who know grace, but because of Christians aren't in church because they saw Christians or supposed Christians who are completely graceless. And you need to go back to them and show them how amazing grace is. Maybe this morning, the way that you can see that those you know have fully obtained the benefits of grace is coming alongside of them in the moment where they are stuck and saying, Hey, Let's get up and share this load together. And you put your arm around them and together you walk out of wherever it is that they are stuck under the strength and grace of God and let them obtain the full measure of it. Beloved, understand that to do this in every situation of our life requires us to be diligent. Diligent. That's why it's a better translation. See to it. It says be vigilant is a better translation there. 
When I think of diligence, I think of a manager that Chatham Central High School had for baseball. His nickname was Bird Dog. Because any time a foul ball got hit out of Ronald Scott Field at Chatham Central, Philip was on it. I mean, own it. If you hit it down the third baseline and you hit it out into the great beyond known as the woods, Philip was over there. And Philip would come back with it every time. It might take him forever to find it, but he worked to save Chatham Central Athletics a ton of money because he was always going to find that ball. He was always going to be diligent about bringing it back. Beloved, are you that diligent today to see, to search out the one who needs grace and ensuring they have it? Are you that diligent in seeing that everyone has in your circle knows the full benefit of God's grace in their life? Finally, I would be remiss this morning if I did not point out that this verse comes in a broader discussion about how disciples of Jesus should act in community. It is preceded in here in Hebrews 12 by a call to strive for peace with everyone. To live a life devoted to holiness. And then afterward, uh, the text this, from this morning, it is, tells us to see to it that the root of bitterness does not become established. And later when speaking about Esau, to say that short-term gains should never be accepted because long-term benefits and long-term blessings are more important. Indeed, if you look at Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, that is the overarching argument, the whole thing. So, beloved, here's the sad truth, though. Some of the most graceless places I have been in my life are places that are inhabited by Christians. Some of the most graceless institutions I know of have grace in their name. Some of the most graceless people I have ever encountered anywhere are people who are rabid in their assertion that they're nothing more than a sinner saved by grace and yet exhibit little, if any, grace in how they treat others. They allow the root of bitterness. They don't care if they are at peace with anyone. They are always striving for, for right now and they don't think long term. They hold grudges and are unforgiving and bitter people. Abounding in their own self-righteousness rather than abounding in grace. One Monday morning I got a call from a friend of mine who said to me, you won't believe what happened in church yesterday. I said, tell me about it. He said, I was preaching on forgiveness. And I told people at the end of the worship service, in their invitation, 
that if they needed to go forgive somebody, to get up, go to them in the church, and offer forgiveness. I said, I bet that went over like a lead balloon. He said, no, Mark, the most amazing thing happened. People started moving. Well, that's awesome. He said, and I watched one, though, get up, walk to the other side of the church, and walk to the person that they had been feuding with forever and offer forgiveness and seek forgiveness. And the person they were talking to just stood there stone-faced. And then the other person went back to their seat. Beloved, beloved, here's the thing. Our world is filled with unforgiveness. Our world is continuously stewing in anger and hate. Our world is the most graceless place anywhere. And when people come into our churches, into our communities of faith, too often in this nation, what they find are people and pulpits that don't exhibit the fact that grace abounds, but there are even more filled with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and gracelessness. And guess what, beloved? They can sleep in on Sunday morning and get up and go to work on Monday and get that. They don't need to come here. We have to offer them something different. If the lost are ever to taste the unmerited favor of God, if lives are ever to be restored, if brokenness is to be healed, it will require us to be diligent that no one we encounter fails to obtain the full benefits of God's grace. It will require us me and you to be ever more grace-centered than we are before. You say, Pastor Mark, have we not been grace-centered before? Yes, we have, beloved. But we got to up our game. We got to up our game. I cannot imagine why people would not flock to a place where when they came onto the very campus, before they even got out of their cars, they could feel that the place abounds in God's grace. I think they would find it an ultimate sustenance for their soul. I think they would, for the first time maybe in forever, breathe free. Because that which was the deepest longing within them would be met by the only thing that could ever meet it, the grace of God. That's why it's more important than ever in everything we do. From how we govern ourselves when we are in conference to how, we're, how we place ourselves when we are on mission to how we study and worship God to be grace-centered. It's why it's the very first thing on the list. Part of my job 
It's to cast vision. I've never really liked that phrase, cast vision. It feels like I should be fishing or something. I don't know. But I'm going to give you a vision today that, that I had last night as I was reading through the sermon. Can you imagine one day in the far distant future where this generation of Grove Park right here, right now has a reunion in heaven. Now let's say we all get up in one spot. We all get up in one spot and we say you know what? We're going to go down to the gym at the corner of, I don't know, Paul and Peter Street. And that's where we're going to have our reunion. And as we get down there and we're walking down to it, there are all these people gathered outside. I mean, you can't stir them with a stick. Like Franklin Street after we beat Duke. And it's people that we don't recognize. But suddenly, because it can only happen this way in heaven, we suddenly understand that these are people that found grace through Grove Park in this generation. Not back in the 60s, not back in the 70s, not back in the 90s, not even back in the, in the early 2000s, in the 2020s. In the post-pandemic Grove Park. Can you imagine all those people? Who are there and know grace. Because right now. At this moment. We said louder and clearer than ever before. We will be diligent to see that none fail to obtain the full benefits of the grace of God. Because ultimately, beloved, if we do that, this place will be but a foretaste of heaven. Grove Park is grace-centered. Let's pray. Father, help us to be grace-centered. Help us to be the people that you have called us to be. And Lord, during this time of invitation, this time of commitment, may we search ourselves through the power of your Holy Spirit. And see where it is that we are failing to obtain the full benefits of grace. Or who we are impeding in finding the full benefits of grace. And get right at that point. That we may be grace-centered. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021.
Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound. Thank you.